Good morning, beloved saints. Good morning, beloved sinners. For those of you who are new with us, we have been in the book of Ephesians for the last several weeks. Um, the lectionary has kind of placed us here, and we are just meandering our way through this, this letter of Paul. Uh, today we're going to pick up with chapter 5, verse 15. Last week, if you'll remember, we noted that uh, Paul's letter in Ephesians, ha Ephesians has a turn at around chapter 4 to the end. The first part of, of Ephesians dealt with theology, what, what the people are supposed to believe. And then verse 4 and the rest of the chapters are focused on what we are to do. That is, good ethics. So, this morning, there is a big transition right there in the middle of, our, 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 of chapter 5 at verse 14. There is a hymn that is thought to be written from an ancient church baptismal liturgy. And the transition from the way we used to live comes to this, this point in the Scripture. And it says, Sleeper, awake, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And, and it's placed right there, and it kind of is just a bump. And why did Paul put it there? Well, Paul, again, he was comparing and contrasting our former life, and then there's baptism, and then new life. And the baptism shapes who we become. And in the ancient church, lest we forget, when you were baptized, you had to strip naked. You took your clothes off. You went into the water. You came up out of the water, and then you were redressed with new clothes. It was a sign of new life. Stuff was totally different. And you were going to live your life in a totally dramatic new way. We get a new spiritual wardrobe. And this is the, the, the launching point for today's Scripture. This is where we were. The act of baptism, we awake and rise from the dead. And this is where we pick up with verse 15. Paul writes, Be careful then how you live. Not as unwise people, but as wise. Making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. So the very first thing a person hears when they wake up from their sleep, they rise from the dead, Christ's light shines on you. The very thing, first thing that we hear is live circumspect lives. Live as a person of wisdom as opposed to one who acts like a fool. Why? Why? 
because we live in a world that's manifest has manifest evil all in it and around it. You know, it doesn't take much for us to see that manifest evil in our world. School shootings are at an epidemic level. Our battle with the COVID epidemic has morphed into the COVID endemic that is just not going away. We turn on the news and hear stories how Taliban are going door to door, shooting family members and taking teenage girls and selling them off as wives. The people of Kabul have been surrounded now, I just read this morning. The city is about to fall. Fellow Americans threaten other fellow Americans with threats like, I know where you live and I will come and hunt you down over politicized health care issues. Then we add to this list the natural and environmental issues that the world is facing. Water shortages, drought, wildfires, melting ice packs, dead zones in the ocean, from trash, depleted fish supplies. You get the point. There is manifest evil in the world. And Paul's opening line to us today is, beloved, in the midst of this, live circumspect lives. Because the days are full of people, are full of issues and circumstances that will harm you that will pull you down. So what does living circumspectly mean? Well, let's break it down. When Paul writes in our scriptures this morning, live a life, the word he uses for live is the same word that we get our English word peripatetic. And a peripatetic is one who walks around. So living life is, we, we move, we're, we're action, we're moving around. But it's also the word in ancient, for the ancients, Aristotle, and, and, and even back in Jesus' day, for peripatetics to be learned people who would walk along and teach disciples who would follow along the road with them. That's what Jesus did. He was a peripatetic. But then... Paul uses another word, an adverb that describes the type of walking you and I, a person of faith, is to walk. How are we to walk in this world? Carefully. Diligently. Circumspectly. It's the same word that Matthew uses in, in Matthew chapter 2 when King Herod tells the three wise men, Go and search diligently, circumspectly for this child who has been born in Bethlehem. You see, there's a sense of purpose behind this walking about. Our Bible, one Bible translation just has our verse read this, Be careful how you walk. Friends, that's what living a circumspect life means. My eldest daughter and her husband recently went on an alpine hike 
in the Alpine wilderness area of central Washington in the Cascades. And they went through an area that is called the Enchantments. Wouldn't that be a wonderful place to hike? Just, it sounds beautiful, the Enchantments. Seven to 10,000 foot mountains, snow-covered, pristine lakes, and you get stared at and followed by these goats and rams that we see in our Dodge commercials on television. But in order to hike the enchantments, you have to do two things. One, get a permit. And second, to hike the enchantments, you have to be in incredible physical shape. For you see, to get through the enchantments in one day, it's a 22-mile hike one way through some of the most rugged terrain in our nation. There's an elevation gain on this whole trail of over 5,000 feet. Except for the lakes, there are no trails really to follow. You have to plot your own way. You have to build and make your own trail as you go. At one place in the trail, you have to climb up Mount Asgard to the pass. 7,800 feet high. And in order to get there, you have to scramble up rocks and boulders, gaining almost 2,500 feet in elevation in three quarters of a mile. Think about that. And you have to do that with no trail. You have to find and make your way through the rocks over the top. You put your foot down. Does the rock twist? Because if it does, I'm going to break my ankle. What's this goat going to do with me as I'm hanging on this boulder? You have to be careful. You have to pay attention. You have to be circumspect and diligent in picking out the right way to go. Lauren and Brooks, my daughter and son-in-law, they had to pay attention so they didn't get injured. Their role was always adapting itself based on the condition of the trail at that time. They had to pay attention. Friends, this, this is how the Apostle is encouraging the folks in the church of Ephesus to live. He reminds them that now that they have been raised as new men and women in God in Christ, through their baptism, their lives should reflect a certain patina, a certain aura. Their lives ought to show that they are living and engaging God and others in a new, refreshing way. Paul then goes on to give three reminders of how we are to walk circumspectly. The first thing Paul tells the church in Ephesus is he's, he tells them literally, don't be stupid. 
That's what he says. That's, that's the literal translation of what the English text says. Our English text dilutes it because we don't call people stupid. But we call them fools. But Paul said, church, don't be stupid. Sounds kind of harsh, Paul. Sounds kind of harsh, and it is. Paul doesn't want them to forget the new life they have been given in Christ. He wants them to remember that this new life came with a high price at the cost of Christ and His death. Paul doesn't want them to get spiritually lazy and fall back into old ways of living and relating with God and with each other. Paul wants the church to remember the church's vocation. What the church is being called by God to do. He wants them to discern God's direction in the world for them as a congregation. And in order to do that, they have to be alert. Be diligent in understanding the will of God. Don't be foolish, church. And then Paul reminds them a second. Compare and contrast. Another reminder about what it means to walk circumspectly. He says, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with Holy Spirit. Now, there are two ways to read that text. One is very literal. Don't get tanked before you go to church. The Corinthians did that. The Corinthians would, would drink the, 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 the wine of the Lord's Supper. They'd have big parties. They'd have feasts. But Ephesus is in a part of the Persian area where it boasted of the temple to Dionysus. And the people of Ephesus, in their worship of Dionysus, would get loaded on wine. So on one hand, Paul may be saying, <laughs> don't do like they did, like you used to do. Get drunk on the Spirit instead. In other words, don't become so inebriated with what the world is trying to entice you with to make you happy and content. The world says consume, but the Spirit of God says give. The Spirit of the world wants us to look out after ourselves. Me, myself, I. Look out for number one. But the Spirit of God says, look after each other. Be filled with Holy Spirit, church. Not overly saturated with the way of the world and the way the culture does things, but with Spirit. And then finally, Paul tells the community, he says, church worship together. Worship together. Christianity is not a solo sport. It takes all of us. We need each other. 
Make music together, church, is what Paul is telling them. Make music together. Sing songs. Sing spirituals. Sing the old hymns. Sing praise songs. Pluck the strings. Beat the drums. Make music of thanksgiving and gratitude to God, church. Because you're not alone. You've got each other. Sing, church. Sing. This, my beloved, this is what it means to walk circumspectly, carefully, thoughtfully, attention to detail. So as we venture out this week and head into a new week, I encourage all of us to assess how are we walking in our new life in God? What's it looking like after we have awakened, O sleeper, rise from the dead that the light of Christ may shine on us? How is our life different? Does your life, does my life reflect that we are walking carefully, circumspectly, attentively with God? I'll close with this prayer from Pastor Eugene Peterson. And he wrote this uh, prayer as he wrote a commentary on this text in Ephesians from a book called Practice Resurrection, a conversation on growing up in Christ. Perhaps you will make it your prayer this morning as well. Peterson prays. Instead of careless, unthinking lives, we want to understand what you, our Master, want. What we really want is to drink your Spirit, huge drafts of your Spirit. We want hearts so full that they will spill over in worship as we sing praises over everything, taking any excuse for a song to you our Father, in the name of our Master, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, let us stand and sing our closing hymn this morning.